and welcome to another edition of the Tobacco Control Podcast. Today we have the good fortune to be talking to two authors. We'll be speaking with Daniel Hunt from the Cancer Research UK and Laura Weber, who is with the UK Health Forum. And they've written a really interesting paper along with a few other co-authors called Modeling the Implications of Reducing Smoking Prevalence, the Public Health and Economic Benefits of Achieving a Tobacco-Free UK. And I think um, this is a particularly timely paper in that we have a few nations around the world who've been talking about sort of a tobacco-free future, what that could look like, how quickly we could get there. And sort of this paper is going to explore you know, what would be the impacts on health and also the economic impacts if that were to happen. So welcome, Dan and Laura. Hi. Okay, so let's just, before we sort of launch into your results, uh, maybe you could just explain um, what prompted you to do this work and, and what was sort of the rationale behind it. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, so, so thanks, Becky. As you mentioned in your introduction, over the last couple of years, we've seen more and more countries around the world introducing uh, what we call tobacco-free ambitions, particularly in developed economies. So places uh, from Scotland and Northern Ireland to places as far flung as, as New Zealand or Finland. Um, and so we're really interested in what the opportunities are from, a, from, from working with government and setting up government policy to establish some of those ambitions. And then specific to the UK, in recent history, the UK has been kind of a gold standard for tobacco control. We've had um, tobacco control strategies that follow the Empower framework quite closely. Um, so we've halved, halved smoking rates in the UK since the 1970s. Um, but we we know that smoking rates don't go down on their own. They only decline with action. And uh, we still have quite a stubbornly high smoking prevalence, particularly among people who are working routine and manual jobs. Um, and so we kind of had two questions, if you like. One is, well, uh, what would happen if we were to achieve this tobacco-free ambition and what would happen if we brought smoking prevalence down in an equitable way so that we weren't just benefiting the most affluent people in society but we were helping benefit people across all income groups um, and so I suppose a, a motivation for this paper if you like is trying to communicate the benefits of what would happen if we met a tobacco-free ambition uh, by 2035 so in the kind of medium term and then thinking about how we could encourage the UK government to establish such an ambition. That's great. Obviously, um, we know smoking, despite you know huge progress, is still the most preventable cause of cancer and all kinds of other illnesses. Um, it's something that we need to maintain political action on. So in, in your paper, you talk about if things just carry on as you are, you'll get to a certain point by 2035, but nowhere near to that sort of less than 5% mark. Uh, is, that, is that right? Yeah, so so um, in our baseline, we do um, follow the trend um, as it's been going down over the past um, uh, 10 years. Um, so we do um, continue a downward trend in, um, uh, the, in smoking prevalence um, based on um, what's happened um, and, and assuming that the policies that have taken place will continue to be implemented um, and think uh, policies like the uh, Interventions such as smoking cessation services will be maintained, so we will continue to see the, the fall in smoking prevalence, um, and that's our baseline. Um, so um, it may be that uh, that won't be the case in the future, but we don't know what will happen in the future, so we have to assume that uh, the trend we've seen over the past 10 years will, will continue um, based on what, is already, what has already been implemented. 
okay, and then if this, what I, we're calling this sort of tobacco-free ambition, if you are able to reach that sort of equitable less than 5% smoking rates by 2035, what does that mean? How many lives are we talking about here? How much cost savings? What, what did your simulation show? Um, so we showed that around um, 97,000 new cases of smoking-related diseases would be avoided by 2035. And there, um, that includes smoking-related cancers, um, respiratory disease, stroke, coronary heart disease. In terms of costs, because those savings in disease burden um, will have an impact on um, the National Health Service, and that would avoid around £67 million in direct NHS costs in um, 2035 alone. We also looked at non-health costs and found that um, there would be a staggering £548 million in non-health care costs avoided by 2035 alone. And that's uh, non-health costs in terms of losses in productivity due to premature morbidity and mortality. Well, those are some pretty impressive numbers. You would think most health ministers would be, uh, and treasurers for that matter, would be happy to hear those numbers. But what, what do you think it will take to get there? How much more ambitious will the tobacco control program in the UK need to be? As, as we were saying earlier, we, we've been, you know, we, we've, there's been quite a lot of hard work done in the UK. And um, while we, while smoking rates don't go down on their own, we have been able to show quite a lot of progress. And that has basically come from lots of evidence-based policy that's grounded in the Empower framework. And there's kind of two things that we'll be um, continuing to, that we continue to like to see that we think we can make much more progress in than we've done to date. And one is around the tobacco tax structure and making sure that um, fiscal measures are used in a way that dissuades people from starting smoking and helps really drive down prevalence. Um, and the second is um, access to cessation services as well. So making sure that we have the right resources available for smokers when they decide to stop um, and making sure that people can access the most evidence-based methods to, to stop smoking. And so those are kind of two. And then I suppose we're conscious just as, um, as I mentioned earlier, around this kind of stubbornly high smoking prevalence rates among those in routine and manual employment, we're conscious that um, the the forthcoming tobacco control strategy from government. So the UK government is planning to publish a tobacco control strategy at some point this year. Um, we're conscious that that might have some kind of more information about supporting harder to reach groups. So groups where there are high smoking prevalence and making sure that those interventions are as comprehensive and well uh, fully implemented as possible. Fantastic. Well, I think, you know, there's quite a few nations around the world. I'm based in Australia and we're, you know, we're always looking to to look to other nations to take the lead so we can copy what they do but we also like to push and have other nations copy what we do and I think that's one of the beauties of global tobacco control is that there is scope for everyone to learn from each other so perhaps we just need you know tobacco free ambition have countries competing against each other to see who can get below that that five percent target first. Mm -hmm.